official sliding on the instrumental Nordic combos twist your mental life forbidden peace to the public and power to the people yeah big love big healing big resistance in the space where the vulnerable are powerful and where the most gangster thing you can do is serve. Welcome to All The Way Live. This is indeed the All The Way Live show. Carefully curated content for Ukrainian brought to you by some young brothers who are community activists, who are uh, passionate folks about connecting community and people together. And what we do here on this show on a weekly basis, ladies and gentlemen, is that we dedicate ourselves to putting together some caliente information. We research, we apply ourselves, and we come here for a host of for a host of reasons. You know, sometimes. We come here to give energy, but I'm not gonna lie, man. This is one of those weeks where I'm over here to be able to get energy from the folks, man. You know, so I do want to thank and appreciate absolutely everybody that's rocking with us on the show um, and allowing us this uh, space that's also therapeutic to us, man. So that being said, you know that the most important thing for us, man, is to um, curate positive energy that you can carry on throughout the week. Because we know people are down. Whether you're down, if you're dealing with depression, if you're dealing with loneliness, I heard that loneliness is like smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Dang, that's like a half a pack of noopies. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's how deadly that is, man. So if you're over here rocking with us, we do want to be able to send over that positive energy to you and remind you that we do this on a weekly basis. So welcome. Yes, sir, man. Thank you for bringing that energy. As y'all can tell, this is an energy exchange. We all come to the space to get our cup full. So welcome uh, in a big way. Exodus in the building due to my brother, due to our producer. Shout out to y'all holding it down for Exeter by way of Johannesburg. You know what I'm saying? Always got to shout out the fam. On this side, you know what's going on. This podcast is recorded on stolen land, right? Chicago, the city that I love, that I belong to belonged or was cared for by the Potawatomi people, the Council of the Three Fires, and the violence done to remove them from this land is inseparable from the violence that we see in this city today, the violence that we see in this country today, and the violence that we see in the world today. We got to acknowledge our history, right? You can't address everything you acknowledge, but you for sure can't address something you don't acknowledge. So in order to move forward, we lift up love between black and brown people the world over. We lift up love for you. We lift up love for everybody who is under this freaking whole space right now, man. I just got it all for y'all today. So this is how we end the intro. Let's get into the show. Yeah, 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 I get that, I get that, but is we live, though? Is we, like, all the way live, though? You heard? Hey, me and my brother Miles are community organizers. We're activists. We feed kids on a weekly. We're handing out laptops when we can. We're handing out scholarships, and this week was no different, man. So... I had the pleasure. And I know that you also did some work around prisons. We spent a bit of time busy engaging with our prison communities, so to speak. And I had the privilege of going to the Exeter prison to bring some books to prisoners over there. That's what's up, man. That's what's up. What did you bring him? Bring him little Alex Haley, little Malcolm X. What was you serving up? You know, it was it was actually quite a, an interesting experience. So I, I do want to be able to say thank you to Leon for being able to invite myself and Cornel over to that space and just opening it, opening it up to us and allowing us to be able to have a conversation about what the prisons are going through, what type of content do they find engaging. And you really do realize that some people spend and dedicate their whole lives to helping people that are absolutely hopeless, you know? So we were able to get a full list of the type of content that these guys are into uh, about the Exeter prison. And a lot of it really is business books, self-help books, entrepreneurial books. Because one of the things that happens to prisoners is that once they leave prison, you can't get a job. So a lot of them do have to rely on these um, self-employed self-employed and entrepreneurial skills. So we figured, how about we bring through them some Simon Sinek, you know? How about we bring to them some four disciplines of execution, real technical uh, business books. 
That's what's up, bro. That's what's up. I'm sure that was super well received. Um, and I know it's always a very humbling space to go into. I know for me, whenever I get to engage with our incarcerated brothers and sisters, um, it definitely, yeah, just puts things into perspective, right? Uh, and reminds us that we're fighting for a whole myriad of people that are, um, in a lot of ways, intentionally forgotten. So no one is hopeless um, for show that. And thank you for making sure that everybody felt that in that space, as I'm sure you did. Definitely, man. Uh, I didn't get to know in specific because our weeks be so busy. We do a lot of work together, but so many things slip through the cracks. What were you doing around prisons in in Chicago these last couple of weeks? Um. So, yeah, the last couple of weeks, we've been working on this communication justice project where it's actually kind of hype. What we're doing is we're trying to contact people that have been recently introduced or recently become justice involved um, and make sure that they have an opportunity to meet with a communication specialist to understand their level of comprehension, but also their ability to express themselves, right? That's hugely important when a lot of these people are fighting for their lives or for years of their lives in this space. So just to be able to make sure that this person has the level of communication to express their story, express their side of things, and then un to understand judicial proceedings in a way that, you know, makes them um, eligible to sit for their case, right? Or at least in certain cases, if we identify that this person has um, trouble understanding or trouble communicating, we can communicate that to the judge and we can try and get some leniency built in around that. Um, and we've actually been successful in doing that for a few folks that are on our caseload. We've been tapped in with the... Um, the uh, public defender's office. So those, that's how we've been kind of contacting some of these folks um, through their lawyers and their public, public defenders. Shout out to all the public defenders out there, all the legal aides, all the paralegals. That's a hugely important job, helping people out on some of the roughest, toughest days of their life. So um, we've been trying to get in where we fit in in that situation um, and provide the support that we can through communication justice. So that's an organization called CHAT. Shout out to them. You can look that up, type in chat, speech therapy. We do a whole bunch of other stuff for the kids, too. But that's how we've been tapped in with our incarcerated brothers and sisters. Shout out. Wow. And that and that's on a casual week. That's on a casual week. But, you know, the, the crazy thing about it, as you're speaking about the importance of paralegals and of folks that help out on the legal cases, is that there's a shortage of paralegals and lawyers in the public defense system across. So one thing that we're being told about the prisons in the UK is that there's a huge backlog of cases because there's just not enough public defenders. So these public defenders will usually get overwhelmed with way too many cases. Um, they'll be, you know, they also experience a lot of fatigue. A lot of the cases that they're experiencing are from people, like you're saying, on their roughest days. Um, and, and every case is the most important case because somebody's life on the line. So it, it was an interesting conversation to be able to try and unpack, like, how do you get more public defenders to work in the, the, the public justice system? Well, yeah, I think a lot of people, a lot of jobs are having a hard time placing folks um, because of the pay, right? You got to pay these folks. This is a hugely important public service, but public defenders don't have, they have to go through the same hoops and the same educational process to get a legal, a law degree as a lot of as everybody else but a lot of those other folks end up going for corporate entities or working in the private sector in ways that helps them pay back those loans quicker and it's real hard for po folks that are public defenders to make that bread to pay back those loans so we got to find ways to support them we've been trying to tap in with a whole bunch of grants with them to especially um, law students that are coming out with an intention to do stuff that's related to community we try and connect them into our grants loop them into like we're doing some stuff with crime victim compensation which is a long application you need a lawyer so we're getting the the pre-lawyers uh, the aspiring lawyers involved in that hoping to throw a little bit of grant money their way so that they can get paid um, especially the black and brown folks that are in the at the law school at U Chicago and make sure that you know they have a path Halfway to where it is feasible financially to work uh, for the people, right? To be a public defender. So pay the people, man. That's what I'm saying. It keeps going back to pay the people. And it's crazy because the show is going to be um, centered around payment. It's going to be centered around the prison justice system. A very, very hip hop show that we have uh, lined up for folks. Um, you know that on these artists, on these impact spotlights, we do like to spotlight the people that are out there doing that good work. Um, this week, we're highlighting Coaster Arts. For 60 years, they've been showcasing some of the talent of 
folks who are locked up in UK prisons. A lot of them are very talented, very ingenuitive, um, brilliant people who are victims of circumstances. You know, they're victims of circumstances. In the US, it's ridiculous when you realize that the average cost of bail that is keeping people behind bars for years is the inability to pay $800. $800 is the number that's keeping people behind bars. Even if you're innocent by not being able to pay bail, you're then going to get locked up in this long system that's going to keep you there for a while, man. So um, in the spirit of, of highlighting people that are doing that good work, Coastal Arts, if you are within that space, check them out, support. Um, these are also people, too, that deserve a second chance. Man, no doubt. This is fire, bro. This is fire. Um, I'm all about this type of connection to the world, right? Like for folks that are on the inside, being able to share their art, to be able to express themselves, being able to express yourself, no matter what kind of tough situation you're in, is hugely important. So I'm glad that there's a program around this and there's a way for them to, yeah, be able to share that. Um, this is this is super 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 dope and yeah we not and it doesn't like support for folks that are incarcerated just doesn't stop us at incarceration we also need to be mindful of supporting these folks as they become returning citizens looking for ways that they can get tapped into jobs stable housing so there's so many different ways to support around this one that i thought of when you mentioned that statistic around bail was bail funds right get to know you know who are your local bail funds there are organizations that literally collect money to pay people's bail um this is hugely important for folks that are in situations like zue said where it's only a small amount of money keeping them from being free and being able to fight their case properly but it also comes in handy and these are great organizations to know when it's time to protest and if you're out on the front lines you might get locked up you got to know where the local bail fund at who's organized around that so get tapped into this uh and and Zoya, I appreciate you also uh, telling folks how this is going to connect to all the topics we got going on today. Uh, it's it's pervasive, so yeah, perk up and listen. We are seeing a whole lot of some of our favorite artists, especially within the hip hop community, that are being jailed, and there's a whole lot of conversation that's going on around it. Our producer Hassan, one of the best in the game, has asked us a few times, is hip-hop in the state of crisis? Y'all know that this show is very hip-hop based, very hip-hop centered, and that's exactly how we're going to kick it off. Yo, man, hip-hop. Hip-hop might be my favorite thing, right? Outside of, like, a person in the world. So I'm putting that out front in case I seem defensive later on in defense of hip-hop because it means a lot to me. Um, but it can be complicated and complex, and we're seeing... A lot of really unfortunate um, developments and instances of violence and issues that are directly related to hip hop. Um, so this feels like this space, which loves hip hop with intention. Uh, and y'all who seem to mostly care about our hip hop segments, we felt like this was the appropriate place to start this conversation. So where are we at with it? Yeah, they definitely do uh, love to come to us for this for these hip hop chats. But I think what's very interesting about the hip hop, the about hip hop as a culture element, when you look at Black American culture, and I read somewhere where they were making the comparison that because Black Americans being coming into the U.S. was stripped of their history, um, created their own culture, and this culture is deeply ingrained with and is very closely related to um, hip-hop, right? So to a certain extent, when you think of what elements, uh, what elements make up a culture, which would be uh, dress, um, out attire, language, sound, um, artistic visual representation, hip-hop culture is very much black culture in America, right? That, that is, the, that is the, the way history is held and shared through music, through art, through attire. So when we look at where the state of hip-hop is right now, when we look at how many killings are happening, when we look at um, 
how many people are getting incarcerated, I think it is important for us to be able to take a step and be like, yo, this is actually very, this is not what hip hop is. This is not how hip hop started. This is not how it's supposed to be. This right now that's happening is a very new phenomenon when it's coming into this culture of ours that we love so much. It is not supposed to be a violent culture. It's not. It is It is a microphone for people who are in violent circumstances to be able to express themselves because of that. But it's not, it's, it does not justify violence. Yo, I'm, I'm really glad we starting kind of with some of these terms, right? Let's, let's, let's define some of these terms for this conversation. So hip hop is not just rap music, right? Hip hop is a culture. Hip hop includes um, DJing, right? Turntablism, it includes graffiti. It includes like fashion, right? So hip hop is a very multifaceted culture that was originated by black folks in the United States, right? A big part of that culture is rap music, right? So rap music, hip hop, is that's, that's where you find that's the category that, well, less and less frequently you find Drake in. That's the category that you would find, you know, Moneybag Yo in. That's the that's the category that you would find 21 Savage in, right? And 21 Savage is somebody who's very, very um, connected to the conversation we're having today. But one more term I want to throw out there is drill music, right? So there's hip hop, there's rap, and then there's drill music. We kind of, we, we, we funneling down. And drill music is a very particular type of rap with an increased proximity to real events in the hood, right? So my man, 21 Savage, who is a very successful black rapper right now, um, he kind of lies on the line between rap music and drill music. Zoe, would you say that's fair to say? I, I would say I would say that's not inaccurate. All right, for sure. So more, more so trap music than drill music, if we're being ah, technical okay. about it. And so would you say it's fair to say that trap music lives in the line between rap music and drill, like the sub-sub-category sub of drill music? I would definitely say they both share an element that the more realistic it seems, the characters and the content that is being said, the more popular and um, more, uh, the more, the more uh, attention that those artists usually get. No doubt. All right. So 21 is definitely in the mix of this kind of, this part of hip hop, of this part of rap music, right? So my man 21 let a couple tweets fly earlier this week, right? The first one, Atlanta, we have to do better. Put the effing guns down, right? I don't know about you. When I heard that, that's a very familiar, I've been hearing that. If you listen to the radio in Chicago, they have drops of literally like, put the guns down, Chicago. Um, so it's not a, it's not a new thing for people in close proximity to hip hop to feel the responsibility to have a conversation about the violence in hip hop. Um, but he got a little backlash for that, right? As somebody who could be seen to be promoting violence or who definitely, whose violence is a prevalent topic in his music. So he hits back with one more tweet. He goes... And then he makes a and then he makes a statement that we'll get into later. But he goes, "A song is for entertainment. It's not an instruction manual on how to live life." So that's where we at. That's kind of what spurred this conversation, right? Um, and is it hypocritical to be a hip hop artist uh, with violent themes, but on the other hand, say, "Put the guns down, stop the violence." The problem is that music can be enjoyable. And also, hip-hop has been, for a long time, very impressionable to young people. We've heard the term, hip-hop is a young man's a young man's sport, is a young man's game. Although now, that is changing, very much so. But, but hip-hop is still very much in its infancy as a, as, a, as a subculture and a culture. It's only hitting 50 years, right? It's, it's, it's not very old. And it's usually been a young crowd that has been supporting and has taken to hip-hop it's been the youth and that youth so happens to be very impressionable which is also why this uh the the way that the styling that we get hip-hop is something that we translate across many different cultures countries so much so that it is now the most popular genre of music in the world so when you have these folks who come from extremely dire and very very difficult circumstances um it, it kind of brings me back to 
the origins, listening to Ice T and Ice Cube, and and Pac talking about we're not glorifying this, we're just speaking quite vividly about in an artistic manner about the realities of our circumstances. That is what's happening. That is the mindset of the people that I'm surrounded by. That is the mindset that maybe I've had to uh, take on, or that is the mindset that um, people can relate to around me. So it, it, it's what account, what level of accountability do we want to put on our artists? That, that, that's the question. What, yeah. what do we hold hip hop artists to? Perfect. So let me, uh, and I know, I know you kicked us a lot of game right there, but I'm going I'm to throw it right back to you to ask, how, is there a line for you personally? Is there a line in terms of the music that somebody is making where it's either too close to true life events or it's, it not only speaks on violence and firearms, but does glorify them? Is there, is there a, or is anybody who is from that lifestyle allowed to speak on it any, any way they would like to, and it's never going to hit your ear as, um, yeah, inappropriate or anything like that? Everyone has the, everyone should have the right to creative freedom. It, it's, it, otherwise it wouldn't, you, you can't fully indulge in moving creativity if it is not coming from a very real place. That is, the transfer that you give to art is a a real emotion, right? Art is a art is a capsule of real emotion, and how you engage with it is then going to translate that that emotion and that energy. So the best art comes from real places, but real places don't have to be real scenarios, don't have to be real stories. I think that the intention should always be to promote positivity, if it is. A matter of fact of saying, I'm going to describe very clearly what I see around me. That's one thing. But it is the killings that we see that are now tied into hip hop and how people are using hip hop as a way to stoke that violent fire. You having rap this is, bro, they're not even dissing each other. They're just talking about what they're going to do, what they have done and what they will do. Like, it's just... Is, is that's what the mute that's not that that lacks intention that la- that lacks artistic integrity that just has a a terrible agenda to it and that's the part of hip hop that I don't really that I don't really mess with and you said something interesting recently you're like man I think I'm getting to a point where there's music that I don't think I can listen to anymore you you were saying I don't think that like what what did you mean by that I, I found that interesting yeah I think you just described it right I think there's Everybody has their own their own lines and boundaries. So I think there's two things that could ever make me not tune in to somebody, right? Is if off rip, I get that, like you just described, right? I'm hearing it and the intention isn't artistic. The intention isn't like, and everybody has a different measure of what artistic is. But if I get the sense that they are more so glorifying the violence and whether they have a real proximity to that is important too, right? Because if it's somebody who's a culture vulture eating off this with this type of content that's not really in that life, I'm definitely turned off. But if somebody is in that life, but I feel like they're exploiting that life more than they're expressing that life, let that marinate. I didn't even know that was coming, but that's what I'm. That's really what I mean, right? If I get the sense that they're exploiting that life more than they're expressing that life, then I'm immediately turned off, right? That's one. The second way is if developments come out in real time right like real news real murders that make me see this person as a predator in their community right now it takes me a lot to get there and we could talk about why we've said many times on this podcast that when a black person gets money a lot of people eat but if enough comes out to make me go all right this person is really actually preying upon this community even that if they come from it or whatever, that's the number two way I'm out. Let's have an honest conversation. You're Chicagoan. You are in the South Side. You do a lot of work in the South Side. You, you're, you're an activist of note in your city, right? How does it make you feel because you love hip-hop so much and because you're also a part of a community that is considered to be the most violent and the hip-hop that comes from that community is also equally as violent what is your relationship as Miles Xavier, the Chicagoan, with the flag behind you, uh, a man who literally is out on the streets helping 
of Chicago. I, now I remember like your point of view is nah, so important. Nah, keep building it up. <laughs> your your point of view is so important because I think you give a I think you have a very unique a very unique position in Chicago where you are so front facing with the community work that you do. You're extremely active in your community. That's your life's work. But you also love hip hop and you love this drill stuff. So how do you balance that? And what's your relationship with it? Man. Um, yeah, I could spend an hour answering this question, but I won't. I'll start with, I have a unique maybe, or like a, there's not a lot of folks with my same perspective on this in hip hop, but low key, like it's definitely not the most important perspective. There are definitely people whose lives have been more effective. There are definitely people who are closer to hip hop and making it now to the drill scene that, also have a more important perspective. My perspective is underlined, right? First and foremost, that hip hop is not a root cause of violence, right? When we think about violence prevention, when we think about addressing the situations, the challenges that we have in the city, hip hop is not a root cause of violence. Economic disinvestment, structural racism, those are root causes of violence, right? Like you can even get into the, the structure of capitalism if you want to, but hip hop is, an expression that people who've experienced violence and trauma have come up with. And now there are parts of hip hop, right, as it becomes more diverse, that are circling back and creating a really complicated relationship with that violence and trauma, right? So there's parts of hip hop for me that aren't even a part of this conversation, right? There's, there's hip hop that is so positive. And again, I'm using hip hop to talk about rap music, but there are parts of hip hop culture, art, fashion, music that are so positive, parts of rap music that are so positive that I don't even consider them parts of this conversation. Where it really becomes a conversation to me is because when I listen to the artists that are in closer proximity to this violence, I still, as somebody who navigates this space, as somebody who moves around here, as somebody who's like, you know, I'm around the people, I feel it. And I can't deny that I feel that music that they're making. Right. And I won't because I love hip hop and I and I appreciate that perspective. And I appreciate not only that I get to hear the art, but that they got to make the art and that they got to feed people and heal themselves with that art. Right. So I don't think it's I, I, I think, like I said before, there's a certain there's certain artists even within our city that I listen to and I go, you're exploiting more than you're expressing. And I just don't rock with that. But I'm not for sure not gonna say no names or call them out because there's it, people are people have the ability to uplift their situation through this music. And I hear that as the, the most important aspect of this, right? Looking at the data, looking at the numbers, looking at how we address uh, violence in these communities. Hip hop is not even on that list of places where I would start if we're really trying to make structural change. Um, but there are certain artists in certain situations that really make me sad that they are so tied to hip hop. Um, and we can we get into get a few of those from YSL, YSL to, to what just what recently, recently happened, happened to Quando Rondo. And this comes from Miles Xavier, the, the, the data analyst of Chicago violence prevention, you know, and I'm so glad you really did touch on like the actual root causes for it. Uh, we do like to remind everybody that this is a live conversation. So shout out to Kid S in the in the chats. Do be sure to let us know what you think about whether hip hop is in fact uh, a cause of a cause of violence or not. What is not cool um, and what is very very unfortunate at the moment is the fact that it's things are violent, especially in the U.S. right now. It's not just a hip hop thing. Things are violent right now you know you're seeing a whole lot of robberies that are happening places that were once considered uh cool to go visit places like la everyone's a mark i just watched the documentary about how folks in the uk are using social media to target influencers and that's because we're all you know there's a dopamine addiction to being able to show off our wealth show off our accomplishments show off our um our material things so there is a larger element towards violence and safety that uh, has to be considered, which is just, it's not just hip hop. There, it's Things are quite violent and people are quite desperate outside. And so all of us have to almost take a, a very careful look at how we engage with our socials because that's how they got popped. 
That's how they got Pop Smoke. And allegedly, that's how uh, what happened to uh, Quando. But who knows? Bro, Bro I'm, I'm so, so glad so you brought, glad brought socials, socials into it. That's like a huge part of this conversation, right? Because the music in increasing its proximity to violence is happening through social media, right? It's happening and social media in the sense that music is becoming social media and how quickly it can be put out and how close to relevant events it is. Like some of these songs are closer to memes than they are songs, especially when it comes to the back and forth between groups that ain't getting along. Right. It's social. And, and uh, man, you really nailed it because you were saying about this time that people are desperate, desperate for validation, desperate for likes, but also desperate financially. And for a lot of folks that are on the ground in the city, social media and building a following represents a way to secure resources that you can't navigate or don't seem like that's a way for you to get that through traditional pathways, right? So if I build up my IG following, right, now somebody might want to collaborate with me that, I don't know, is in a better situation than me, right? So they might drive me out or fly me out, right? So now I'm in a position where, or people see, or if I'm able to create this image online, people are more likely to do business with me, more likely to trust me. So in a lot of ways, all that gassing themselves up and bigging themselves up on social media is a part of a system that can uplift them out of this conversation, out of this space, right? So, and it also is the space where these back and forths are happening. And so, man, it gets so deep. There's a book called The Ballad of the Bullet. I think I mentioned that on this podcast before, but it's all about the relationship between social media, music, and violence. Um, check that out, man. But it, it gets really deep. Social media is a huge part of this. So I won't go on and on, but Thank you for bringing that into the combo, man, and acknowledging that people are just trying to eat, right? Just trying to eat. I think we all got to watch our relationship with these phones. Um, we all got to watch our relationship with these phones. There's dopamine that's connected to it. If we look at the Maslow, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, um, validation is something that is a, an innate human uh, requirement, right? You need to be validated to be a part of a group. And, you know... Writers like, say, your Yuval Noah's, uh, when they speak about the importance of being a part of a community is because uh, through from the history of humans, if you weren't accepted to be part of a community, you'd be you'd die. Like, literally, you need a community to be able to feed you from a child, you know? So that is ingrained in us. And when we have these very hyper, uh, these, these hyper-pushed ways of being able to form or be a part of a group or something like that, I think a lot of us can sometimes turn into caricatures of um, caricatures of, of something that's not necessarily us, and that might be something that we're seeing. A coward will kill you, and that, I think, is what's happening into hip-hop right now, man. Bro, and, man, thank I, I just want to appreciate this back and forth. There's nobody I'd rather talk about hip-hop with than you and y'all out there, so thank y'all so much, man. But the last point that I really wanted to make is that especially when it comes to hip-hop and even social media. These are some of the few spaces where young people, particularly Black young men, are encouraged when expressing, like, really complex and traumatic feelings, right? The only place where it's cool to say I'm sad or it's cool to say, you know, my life is messed up or that I ain't got nothing or that I'm in a desperate situation is on wax, right? Or, and sometimes they can get that validation from social media, right? If they have the correct following and the correct setup. But we need to create other spaces, right, where folks can express that pain and express that hurt and, and get their art out there, express their joy in ways that aren't um, concerned about respectability politics. But we need to create other spaces that are healthy, other spaces that are outside of this violence, and frankly, other spaces so everybody don't want to be a rapper. Not all everybody that's rapping needs to be rapping, right? They all need an that outlet, <laughs> for sure. But let's create more spaces where these young people are encouraged and lifted up when they express, you know, their feelings and not even not just the positive feelings, right? One more thing, man. These kids know what we think about them, right? So they 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 get in this money, they looking at these situations, and they know what people want to see. Twenty one, even in his response, was saying it's not possible for me to get money if I was rapping about um, religion and charity, which I disagree. But at the same time, these younger kids, right, are in a situation where they know what the world wants to see from them. They know what's going to get a million views. They know what they know what y'all are going to click on. So we as as consumers are also need to look at what do we big up? What do we support? Um, and where do we draw our lines and how do we make that known through our consumption? 
Hey, brother, listen. One thing that we love to do on this show is give people some uh, investigative information, things that you can repeat at a dinner table and sound smart and have folks be like, yo, where did you hear that information? That's what we do. And we dedicate our time to being able to do it. Um, this week, that ain't no different. Thank you, Miles Xavier, for your commitment to your city, um, Chicago, and trying to solve the issues that come from there and giving us such a brilliant breakdown on the actual reality of uh, what's causing violence and hip-hop's relationship with that because uh, whether we want to say it or not, this show over here is very, very much hip-hop as per the views that come anytime we talk about it. So there y'all go. Y'all get that. Y'all get some of that hip-hop talk. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. And if you're going to tell people to put the guns down, cool. That's the right message. But what are we giving them? What are we telling them to pick up? I bet you if you trade it in, start trading in guns for laptops, you'll have a lot of takers. You feel me? You know what I'm saying? Something to think about. <laughs> Something to think about. Oh, listen, let's get to this part of the show. In the UK right now, they're busy saying they might not pay for gas come October 1st. I'm with them. <laughs> Listen, man, as somebody that's had to really look at that gas meter and think to themselves, because in the UK, it's a bit different from the US, right? In the UK, you, you pay uh, you, you pay almost credit for your gas, right? And when I was living in Scotland, little known fact about the boy is that there were times I did have to make that decision about, okay, how low can this gas meter go? How low am I going to let this thing go? Sometimes it'll hit you with that click and you're stuck in the dark. Right. And that's the reality of a lot of people that are in the UK right now because of soaring prices. So this enough is enough campaign, which is the don't pay movement, has been um, has been making a whole lot of head waves um, is essentially a civil disobedience movement protesting the soaring costs of um, the soaring costs of gas and electricity prices. And so people are demanding that these prices be uh, reduced to affordable rates. Um, they are. Uh, it is said that by October, the beginning of October, people will not pay the gas and electricity bill whatsoever. As a again, I keep man. I love speaking to you about this because you do organize communities and you do organize protests. And we've spoken about protests a few times on this show. Would you or would you not pay your gas or electricity bill as part of a protest? <laughs> I'm, I would for sure not pay my bail as part of the protest. I wouldn't even <laughs> need that many people to join me. Don't pay looking for a million. If I had a good 300 people that also was down to say we done with this, I'm rocking <laughs> for sure that. Um, but this is, this is bring up the interesting question that all organizers faced is, okay, if we can get everybody together, cool. And if we get everybody's attention, awesome. And then what? You know what I'm saying? Um, and then what? And then what? So I feel them, man. The, this year, this says the, the stats are showing that many households in the UK will see an increase of nearly 1,800 pounds. That's about $2,200, about that much in their annual energy bill. That's crazy, right? I would be in the street too. Um, so I think we're at what? They're at about 100,000 people have pledged to cancel their, their direct debit payments for October 1st. Um, and I love to see people coming together. But what is the response has been, at least in the media, um, and you know you can't always trust the media, but what they're saying is that these people are still liable for uh, prosecution, right? They're still liable to have debt collectors sent out of them. There's just because you have a whole bunch of people together that doesn't mean that, you know, stop paying your bills. There won't be any consequences. So I guess my question looking at this is, is everybody down for those consequences? Or are people just thinking, like like I was just saying, if you, there's enough of us, they can't, they can't debt us all. And I don't know how true the logic is. Yo, the UK government is so gangster. They put out, and they made it a point. They were like, yo, look, um, don't. 
<laughs> do it if you want, but definitely don't. And part of the reasons of why they're encouraging people not to do it is because, and I'm reading this straight from www.gov.uk. We're getting this right from the source. The repercussions can include make you bankrupt. <laughs> they, they said that. That's verbatim, quote unquote. Take you to court. Close down your company. Take money directly from your bank account or building society savings. Take things you own and sell. They're they're putting out direct threats. We just covered hip hop and uh, shot. These are shots that they that they sending folks, letting people know that we will be on you if you don't make these payments. So, you know, it is a bit it it, it is a bit of a of a tricky of a tricky protest because there are real life ramifications that come from it. But then the question is, until there are ramifications. Is it, in fact, a worthy protest? Oof. I guess it depends on what you mean by Blood alone turns the wheels of history (laughs) is the quote that comes to my head. (laughs) Blood alone turns the wheels of history. Right. So I feel you, but I don't know if all 80,000 people that are signed up or if they do reach their 1 million will be that down for the cause, right? There's always there's always a point in the struggle where you find out how down for the cause everybody is. Um, but they might have a little bit of time on their hands, right? Energy suppliers, if they do decide to disconnect people for not paying, they got to first contact thousands of people, however many people decide they don't rock with it, um, about the possibility of disconnecting supply, but they have like a 28-day wait period before they can start reaching out. They have to give folks a chance to set up a payment plan, so there, I guess the hope is that we can bury them in administration while people don't pay and that they'll be forced to negotiate from the perspective of not being able to, they're, they're hitting their pockets and their pockets hurting first before they're able to get any money or start any legal proceedings to get money from the people that aren't paying. So I'll take, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, hit me with the take. Hit me with the take. I, I'm interested to hear what you guys say. I mean, it ain't my take ain't surprising. My take is power to the people, right? My take is always gonna be power to the people. But you gotta like it's cool, right? If you get a million people behind anything, if you have the right structure at the top, you can pivot in a productive way. So I think this is a great first step in organizing. But if you put in people in position to damage their credit and damage their stuff without fully making them aware of not only what might happen to them, but resources and how to navigate it, then I think you might be being a little irresponsible. Not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to do it. If I'm being honest, I would not. I don't think I'd be able to, to participate. It would be one of those things that I say, yeah, for sure, I'm going to do it. Wait, wait, what are we doing? October 1st? For sure. What do I sign? Definitely put my name on there. Come October 1st, I'm a I'm going to watch with the lights I got on what's happening from the comfort of my household. And that's not me crossing the picket fence. But I do think that uh, something you like to highlight on this show a lot is the many different ways that one can participate in a protest. Um, It doesn't necessarily have to be very frontline about it. There's a lot of um, attention and noise that that we can put up in order to raise awareness on a situation. Now, I think what's... This this falls very much in line with the, a lot of the other um, protests that we have seen coming in from the UK. So the UK is going through a moment right now where they are confronted with very, very high living costs. Um, it's not just a UK thing alone, though, Miles. It's not just a UK thing alone. The world over is experiencing a significant surge in um, in inflation. Everything is getting very very, very expensive. Gas alone went up by 43% this year. Yeah, I've been meaning to ask you about that, Mr. Energy Man. Uh-huh. For those of y'all who don't know, Zue is a world-renowned energy analyst, all right? He's at the top, the cream of the crop when it comes to energy. He's spoken at many conferences. You know what I'm saying? He's the big boss dog when it comes to energy. So, Mr. Big Boss Dog, may I ask you, how... Do we have these record profits for these energy companies while people are struggling to pay their bills? How is that not just pure greed, Mr. Energy Man? What's going on? And first of all, like you say, dog, and then keep referring to me as Energy Man, dude. This sounds a bit. <laughs> I feel like you're coming with a little bit of a little bit of spice on that, but I'm gonna allow it for the sake of the conversation. 
<laughs> you built me up, man. I'm just trying to build you up back. Look, look how you build me up. Just <laughs> the energy, man. Look how y'all making money. Look, look how my friends build me up. Nah, we um, mad. We ain't trying to pay these bills, son. Explain. <laughs> I I'm not I don't have the keys. But like um how the prices have been soaring is that obviously we went through this COVID period. Now if everybody can remember, that's such a real good question because there was a point in time when everyone was like gas uh pet- um fuel diesel has hit zero dollars crude oil hits zero dollars what does that mean does that mean that it's free it's hit negative dollars you know there was that whole period of confusion around the figures and what's happening. So what is what what needs to be appreciated about what's about the situation at the moment is that with everything increasing in pricing, um, there's going to be a natural increase in how much people are reporting on their income. But also, you have a case where we have just come out of COVID, where everyone was indoors, and now that we're starting to see a pickup in pickup in people being outside, pickup in traveling, people pickup in people using their cars, demand is increasing on that side. We have covered on this show many a times that everything is a cartel and it couldn't be any more true than when it comes to the energy space. You have, see, now I'm putting my career, now I'm putting my yeah. career on the line, give me all these secrets. Yeah. Now I'm my career on the line, give me all these secrets, you know? But you do have organizations um, and coalitions that form together in order to be able to set the pricing of oil. Um, and once they set that price, that's what it's going to be. And you have um, pumping regulations where people will say, we're not going to pump anything, let's drive these prices up. When that gets too insane, they'll step back, they'll be like, okay, 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 this has been a bit too high, let's go ahead and turn that faucet on, let's go ahead and ease, ease these pricings down, depending on who can compete and who can't. So there is a lot of politics at play. The situation in Russia is also playing a big part in the energy prices because a lot of energy, um, a lot of gas, the longest, um, the Russia owns the longest network of pipelines in the world. So when you have that country that's being sanctioned and um, within a war and, you know, there's a huge movement to sanction that, there is a disruption in, there's a disruption in um, the ability for that that gas to be able to make its end its end line. But I think one of the biggest contributors also to the pricing of these sorts of things, man, is the fact that there's a huge backup when it comes to shipping containers and shipping vessels. So when everything went on lockdown, these shipping vessels were kind of sat idle. And then when things started to pick back up, people were flocking towards being able to, um, you know, book themselves into those slots. And so there's not enough ships, there's not enough containers, and there's a huge backlog of things that need to happen. And naturally, what the shipping what the shipping companies will say is, up the price, up the price. And that's what we're seeing in terms of almost everything becoming expensive. That's one of those main reasons. So these oil companies, increasing price, increased demand, basic mathematics, cha-ching, and now they're hiding that money talking about profits mm. come on man so thank you for breaking it down appreciate you i knew you could you know with your energy background i got one more request of you man next time you up on the pj you know passing the shisha uh-huh. to your boys up there just tell them yeah. come on man tell them ease up on yeah. the kids man tell them tell them enough is enough right tell them enough is enough and if i can snowball us into that little segment of the convo so we talked about don't pay, which was that's a great name for the initiative because that's all they that's all they say it is don't pay bills, <laughs> right? But then there's been a, a a kind of a follow up campaign. I'm not sure how connected the organizers of each one are, but there's enough of enough. Enough is enough, right? Um, and they're also trying to address this cost of living crisis, and they have kind of a more I want I don't want to say more organized plan, right? Because I don't want to I don't want to down talk don't pay, but I love it, me personally, when an organization outlies their campaign goals, right? So they want a real pay raise to help people pay for the things that are becoming so expensive. They want a slash in energy bills, right? We're not trying to see record profits while people are really going through it. They want to end food poverty. So that's another thing, addressing food insecurity through a variety of other channels, right? Existing pantries and other resources like that. They want, uh, they want improvements to housing. 
and they want to tax the rich and big business, right? So those are the kind of the different areas that they're that they're working under. I imagine they have subcommittees organizing around all of those areas. It's backed by Mick Lynch, who's the general secretary of the National Union of Rail, Maritime, and Transport Workers in the UK, right? So they organize strike action across the UK's transport services, um, and he is running this thing right now. So they're organizing rallies. Um, they're mobilizing community groups to stand together on picket lines to achieve their goals. So I think in addition to the pressure that they're seeing from Don't Pay, this is a, a dope initiative. You can go follow them, check them out, and see how you can get involved. You can sign their petition, you know, um, and we can get this thing where it needs to be. Mick Lynch is putting in that work. Talk about a man who's really for the people. Um, you know, we like to be prescriptive over here on this show. So if you are, in fact, in the UK and are going through a huge cost crunch um, and are seeing this don't pay initiative but don't want to um, risk your credit or go through that process, there are a few things that you can do in order to help pay your um, to help pay your energy bill. One of those things is you can contact your energy company uh, to register for uh, to request a new price. Um, you can call them straight up, be like, look, I can't afford this. And they're obliged to be able to offer a payment plan that could be more fitting. That doesn't mean it's going to be cheaper, but they might be able to provide a credit plan, uh, a payment plan that you can subscribe to. If that doesn't work, you can take that up with your energy. Obudson, Obudson, Obudson. Uh, I, these are the days where I wish I could ask my uh, our producer how to pronounce that, that word. But uh, you can uh, take it up with your energy, Obertson, which are independent organizations that have been um, that have been officially chosen by the government to represent customers who are making claims against their energy companies. So there are uh, organizations that are there to be able to help with that conflict if you're not able to be able to handle that. Um, and you can speak to them and they might be able to help with some form of a payment plan. There is admin in that, but anytime you want to be able to ask for payment pardon or anything of that sort, there will be admin into that, man. So go with that. Do with that as you please. I will definitely be paying my energy prices because it's about to get cold over here. <laughs> I feel you, son. I feel you. But matter of fact... We, be, we best pay our energy bills because it's going to be cold over here, right? It's not an option in the city. Like, when you decide, we're going to have to pay. I'm going to need you to chip in on that, Mr. Energy Man. All right? Show that. Actually, <laughs> I just joined the Don't Pay uh, movement. <laughs> I would like yeah. to put myself as a front line of Don't Pay Chicago. I'm opening up a new chapter, Don't Pay. Mick Lynch, hit your boy up. Don't Pay Chicago. Don't Pay Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yo, nothing is, yo, hip hop did not take a break in this show, man. We started with hip hop and nothing is more hip hop than protest. So we, we keeping it all the way a buck with that. And we are moving into even more hip hop. Uh, this one is interesting, man. This one is interesting. I'm, I'm excited to get your take on rap shit. Don't pay Chicago. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> I wanted to make a Mac Homie reference, but I couldn't put it together with the Pray for Haiti. At the heart. What we said. Yo, um, so I'm not the biggest fan. Well, let me let me put it like this, right? I've only watched Insecure. Um, under duress, right? Something very important to me, something very valuable was being held hostage and I was forced to watch Insecure in order to get that, to secure the safety of that thing, right? The and vulnerable so, are powerful now. Speak your truth. Speak your big truth. Big facts. Big facts. So that's not to say that I don't mess with Issa. I think she has a very important place in the culture. But I didn't really, I haven't really dove into Insecure like that, right? So when I heard that Issa Rae has a new show called Rap Shit, I was like, this has a high potential for being something that I like a lot. You feel me? Checked it out. Recommended it to my brother. Here we are. Zway. First of all, did you really, did you rock with Insecure? I feel like you did. I feel like you were an Insecure fan. 
And then how does that compare to this? And what was your thoughts going in? I really did enjoy Insecure. I think Issa Rae is um, a pretty... Uh, I think Issa Rae gives a very refreshing take on the black girl narrative. Um, I, I think her her break of the third wall when it comes to Insecure was able to give her a very unique style of storytelling. So even if you don't know... if By watching this, you can tell it's an Issa Rae story, not because... It is um, not because it's it's, it's uh, the same story told again, but in the manner in which that story is told, um, having multi character uh, multi character leads, having the break of the third wall to a certain extent. Obviously, in Insecure, there was a portion of her character in that show that was very hip hop oriented, where she would, uh, would almost act as a as an inter- her internal monologue was through rap and, and hip-hop, right? So she would break the third wall through her rap internal monologue. So this this new offering is very much in line with that and builds off of that um, builds off of that um, that that voice. So it's a common it's a common voice and to build a universe around that and take it into a whole different level where it doesn't feel like it is the insecure internal monologue show but an entire show on its own, I think it's a pretty cool um, creative development, man. And it's very hip-hop to its core in a way that hip-hop is moving now, which is just a whole bunch of uh, real hip-hop stories to- told from ladies, man. And ladies are taking over hip-hop at the moment. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I really wanted to like this show when I jumped into it. And... I no, nah, let me let me rephrase that. I wanted to love this show when I jumped into it and I like it. Um I think there's a lot of really really promising things here, but for everything I really like, there's something I kind of like uh it's very almost, right? So we'll start with the flowers. This might have some of the best music in a show ever that I've seen in terms of hip hop. Like, the more times I was, like, thinking about, what song is this? Like, this show hit a few Young Dolph tracks, um, some Light Skin Keisha tracks. Like, there's some there's some fire in terms of the music. The performances, I got to start with. I got to start with uh, Mia. Mia Knight, played by Chameleon. I know this person. <laughs> I know. I know this female right here, right? We all know Mia. Man, God bless the Mia's. Man, and like, it's more, it's more in her. And here's what I mean by everything I like. There's like a little bit of a drawback, right? And her, whenever she's alone or whenever she's in her apartment or whenever she's just like interacting with the audience or like her social media, man, it is an uncanny. Like I know this person. It breaks down a little bit when she's bouncing off some of the other characters in conversation, right? It doesn't always, it doesn't always hold up. Though I do really like her relationship with uh, R.J. Uh, Siler, dude from The Harder Day Fall. I was so glad to see him in this. Their back and forth as um, baby parents is really funny. Um, and But also really, like, really dope. Um, to the main character, kind of, uh, Shauna, played by Ada Osman. I, I like her presence. I like her... I like everything except when she's delivering the raps. The raps from her don't really, they don't really, they don't really hit for me. And maybe it's because I I immediately think of the Rhapsodies. I immediately think of the um, Ciroc's, like the women that she's representing. And I, and it's hard to not compare her to the actual people that she's trying to represent. But other than that, I really loved her performance, man. Interesting. Um, yeah. Interesting. What did you think about some of the, the performances in here? Off of that, I don't think she's trying to. I, I could see how you would say she's trying to present that rhapsody, um, that that lane of conscious female hip hop, um, which we would encompass around rhapsody, around um, around uh, rap, uh, around uh, no name as well. Uh, there's a host. There's there's a host of them, right? And I could see how how we could say that. I I did think that the it was a bit exaggerated, taking on the mask and 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 all of that, you know. I did think that was it leaned very hard into that stereotype of what an angry black female rapper would be. 
but I think the internal conflict on how do I get music that is true towards the art craft, but still fitting towards um, what people are enjoying right now, what that can be. And I think that's like the balance they're able to strike where technically, from a technical perspective, this hip hop is dope. Like the, the manner in which the music is being given out, the manner in which they're delivering music, they're layering it, the, the ad-libs, the production, it's, it's, it's clean. It's very, very clean. On that point, too, about the good music around, you weren't a big Insecure fan, but Insecure, in fact, I think, has some of the best music on a show ever, ever, ever. The Insecure playlist is... Uh, Insecure alone, you just can watch that show for the music. That was a show where you keep the Shazam going. And on this, Rap Shit is definitely very much slanted towards the Miami vibe, the bounce, the scene, uh, this, uh, this, this contemporary hip-hop sound. They, they, there is some R and B that flows into it, but that's also another, another point of um, that would show that it's an Issa Rae production. Is the the very focused attention to detail when it comes to the music that's playing around. Yeah, you can tell that somebody who really cares about there wasn't gonna. That's an easy one to miss, right? You make a show about hip hop and the rap's not really there, right? But they, whoever they put in charge of curating that music, is definitely killing it i appreciate you what you said about the miami vibe too right um like i said i didn't watch too much of insecure but i definitely felt uh i definitely felt a similar feeling right you could tell Issa's stamp is all over this from the jump um and then something i did remember from insecure was how much the setting played a role how much they really was it la they really had the city like they really incorporated that and even from the slang that the subtitles wasn't picking up. It's funny to watch the show with subtitles because they ain't catching everything. But JIT is a Southern Florida term, right? It's a, that they that um, they incorporate in here. All the slang, the way that people are doing their hair, uh, the way, the type of music, like you said, I love that Miami is a character on the show as well. Um, and like you said, man, they bring, they, they, the angles are on point, right? There's so much interesting things to talk about in hip hop um, from artistic integrity to what does it take to make it in terms of, is it a viable career option? You have two people with a baby that are kind of relying on music and some side hustles to, to kind of make it. And the question of responsibility in that so many dope angles that they could address that they are addressing. And it's just a hit or miss whether those conversations hit, but I'm very happy that they're being to see them being had on screen. Um, yeah, man, very, very interesting to see where this goes. I'm I'm going to keep checking it out, but I don't know, like, if it was, like, a week-to-week -week thing, if I would be, if I'm hooked yet. So, I don't I'll know. I'll tell you we, what. Yeah. It is a great show to watch with your, with your lady. If you, definitely a very, very good show to be able to watch with your lady because it does touch on a lot of cool uh, relationship points, which are really dope. Um, you know, the it's it's always a cool show to be able to balance out okay i enjoy the music side of it i enjoy the content side the funny the the funny and i think this is the genius in how uh, the writers and the producers of this show have done is that they've carved a way to be able to um insert the you know when you're watching something happen you you want to react to it and you you know um in this day and age a lot of people are reacting through things through twitter through live through comments and the comment section on the live uh, on the live anytime they're live in the comment section is so hysterical i think that's some of the funniest stuff on there man so uh you know there's so many nuances of just great writing uh you watch it when he was um arguing with this girl and they were bringing up uh baby girl that the lawyer girl that he was and talking to <laughs> in the comments, you got somebody be like, "Oh no, uh, baby girl catching a stray," <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, then, and it's just extremely uh, funny and good writing, man. So I think this is a this is very enjoyable. Definitely something we'll keep checking out. Shout out to Issa Rae for putting out something that speaks towards. And, and what I like is that it's not it, it it is not it's not girl hip hop because that doesn't exist anymore. It's just a straight hip-hop story is what it is but it's still very feminine in its nature it's very you know it's very soft it's very beautiful it's very sexy and that's an important part that hip-hop is growing to where hip-hop is not just dude hip-hop and girl hip-hop this is not like the nba hip-hop is just hip-hop right now and i think they do a great job at being able to balance that with the characters i'm excited to see where it goes 
Yeah, no doubt, man. No doubt. Definitely enjoyable watch. The social media comments killed me a couple times, too. When Shorty was doing her OnlyFans thing, <laughs> and bro was like, yo, <laughs> your comforter is trash, ma. I was dying. <laughs> I was dying. So, yeah, man. All for, all for creative um, shows like this that show care for the culture, period. Um, mm-hmm. I think this is this fits in with this little age of renaissance for African-American um, TV that we're seeing, right? With the Issa Rae joints that she's making with uh, Atlanta, um, with even things like, um, yo, R.I.P. Jack Knight, man, I bust down, you know? And, t- uh, and Teddy I, Riley. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I love what we're seeing, man. I love what we're seeing. Teddy I'm going to give... Yeah, Teddy Ray. Damn, man, for real. Teddy Ray. Rest Rest in peace, Teddy Teddy Ray. Mm -hmm. It's crazy, man. Nothing is promised. Nothing is promised. Um, Including things that and things that aren't promised. Do we promise to give ratings to TV shows? Do we do that? Um, so far, man, I think this is pretty good. I would say this is a more enjoyable first watch than Atlanta. Uh, then I'm um, sorry, then uh, Insecure for many. So if yeah. you struggle to get through Insecure because it is very uh, dominated on a female narrative that maybe some folks might not be able to enjoy. I know a lot of women that don't like Insecure and I know a lot of dudes I can't relate to it. Um, even though I think that you know it is very relatable, this might be more easier uh, watch into it. Um, yeah, also Devontae Hines is the person who does the music for... Uh, rap shit. He did the music for it, so I just wanted to be able to point, uh, shot him out too. I'd give this a solid four out of five so far, man. I'll take it. I'll take it. I think I'm closer to a two or three, but I I think I hope that it. I think I hope it grows on me a little bit. Um, I'm gonna give it some time. Because uh, you know, we know, we know, we know. Yeah, we know. man. We know y'all could be anywhere in the world, man. Y'all could even be watching rap shit. That's what you should do. Matter of fact, now that we are getting up out of here, getting up out of this celebration of celebrating, getting out of this celebration of life, this celebration of how good it feels to be hip-hop. Don't it feel good to be hip-hop's way? To my core. That's what we do here on this show, man, is we love on hip-hop. We love on each other. We love on y'all, man. It's a love fest up in here. We hope that you watch some rap shit, watch something black and dope and eat something delicious and dope and hug somebody you love that's dope and like that. Peace, water, we gone. Yeah, 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 I get that, I get that, but is we live though? Is we... <laughs>